Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome everybody to the podcast. Today we have another special guest. This one is a multi-million dollar Amazon seller. He's been selling on Amazon since 2011. He started with only $600 and he grew that to over $1 million in sales within the first two years. And he should be reaching now about $20 million, if I'm not mistaken, but we'll hear it from him in a second. He's not even doing private label or retail arbitrage. Let's hear it from Dan Matters himself. How's it going, Dan? Hey, buddy. It's great to be on here. Have you made it to $20 million yet? Our lifetime total after last year was like $22 million. Cool. So, and that is all from $600 start. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I know you, you are used to it by now, right? And, but are you proud of yourself? Of course, you had a partner and you still do? Yeah. Yeah. And are you proud of that insane, you know, $600, 20-something million? That's something that not everybody can do, and not everybody believes that that is possible, right? Sure. No, I mean it's it's definitely been a wild ride, and it, anytime you create a business, anytime you gotta go through that kind of like growth trajectory, it doesn't come without hiccups. So like we've had hiccups along the way, and it's never as easy as everybody anticipates, but it absolutely is possible. Yeah. Right now, are you still fully into the business? Like I don't know. 12 hour days or are you doing the four hour work week? What's your kind of schedule? Uh, for sure. No, with in the Amazon business, we're definitely more along the lines of the four hour work week now. We do uh, one of the beautiful things about the model that we work in where we're wholesale. So it's very systems based. So what we've done is we've created standard operating procedures for basically every aspect of our business so that we can hand it off to employees and things like that. So our typical role is like to come in and we have, you know, we'll have a meeting with our team, discuss our budget, what the, you know, what's buying, what's working, you know, what's, what's big on the horizons. But it's, it's more mine and Eric's role is, you know, day to day operations is, is pretty minimal in the Amazon business. Cool. And then for the wholesale formula, you and Eric are also partners in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that tends to be right now where we spend a lot more of our time is, is focusing on that and, and, and kind of helping our students along. Mm hmm. And uh, do you have a team of people that are helping you in the wholesale formula? How many people are involved in this now? On the TWF side, we have about eight employees, I think. And on the Amazon side, we have about, we have four employees currently. Cool. Not including me and me and Eric. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump right into this. Explain to, to those that have a little bit less knowledge, kind of what is wholesale? For sure. Well, with, with wholesale, what you're doing is you're buying directly from a brand or a wholesaler in large quantity so that you can sell for at retail prices and, and realize a profit. Very good. So now you, you contact these wholesalers and is everything a well-known brand or do you deal with brands that are no, not so well-known? You know, one of the things that we really do is is we're we're a bit different than most. We try to work directly with the brands as opposed to like distributors or something like that. And a lot of the brands that we tend to target are small to mid-sized manufacturers. So it's like, you know, you're in your traditional day-to-day shopping, if you like you shop at big boxes, it's probably not products that you'll see 
uh, on the shelves in your typical big boxes, but you know, in a in a in a very specialized space, it might be a product that sells incredibly well. You know, these these small to mid sized manufacturers, the pro- products that we tend to target sell very very well in their niche, but outside of that, they're not you know necessarily potentially even made it mainstream or anything like that yet. Okay, gotcha. So when you when you get those products to Amazon, those are normally products that have the buy box divided by a bunch of different sellers. For sure. Do you calculate, kind of you divide, you see who are the ones that have the, the chance of getting that buy box by, by the price, you can see that. You divide that and that's how you see your odds of selling the product? Exactly. That, you know, a lot of people get really confused about the buy box or are really scared about competing for the buy box, especially if they come from a private label side. But it really isn't that bad. It's, you know, it's exactly what you said. What we do is we look at the amount, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter how many sellers are on a, on a listing. It matters more how many competitive sellers. So it's like, you know, you have your, if, if a product is $20 and somebody's trying to sell it for $30, like they're not competitive. They're never getting a sale and they're basically irrelevant to the process. But everyone around that $20 mark is probably getting some of the action. So whenever we're thinking about carrying a product, let's say it's selling the product selling 200 times a month and there's uh, four people already selling it. That means each of those sellers are getting about 50 sales per month, right? Yeah. Like we, whenever we're coming on, we're expecting that, you know, that dynamic will change because we're a, a new coming seller. So we'll have about 40 sales a month in equity. Gotcha. So in that situation, if you have, let's say you have 70,000 five-star feedback, and this brand new seller that uh, just started, he, he only has one or none. Is that any relevant to if he meets the same price? Let's say he's selling for the nineteen ninety nine, just like you. Does he have a fifty percent chance of getting that? Not quite. You know, when that, whenever it's the the smaller sellers, it, like there are other criteria that Amazon uses: product location, product quantity seller feedback like there's a whole bunch of things that go into their algorithm now if in the instance that you're talking about like where a smaller seller versus a bigger seller like you know there are many bigger sellers than us like if we're on, on a listing with details details just has millions of feedback you know they're mm-hmm. top 10 or top 15 seller on amazon at this point you know whenever we're uh, heads up with details on a listing like they may get 55 percent of sales and we may get 45 it's usually you know the spread is usually fairly small but it does, you know, it can shade to the to the larger sellers for sure. Okay, gotcha. So another thing is if you have, let's say, I guess Amazon distributes your product around the whole country just like they do with private label products. Isn't that right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, perfect. And who preps your orders? Do you, uh, you or your team does it? Do you have the wholesaler do it for you? How does that work? It's actually interesting because before this year, we had our own warehouse. Well, it was actually last year. We closed our warehouse in July of last year and moved fully to prep centers. Mm-hmm. So there's two ways that our product gets prepped now. It's either gets prepped by the by the brand themselves and then sent to Amazon, or they'll send it to our prep centers. They prep it and then send it on to the Amazon fulfillment centers. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, like I said, I'm about 80% private label seller. And I did, uh, and I still have, let's say, some part of those 20% are wholesale, but I do wholesale in Canada only. My concern at the beginning, and now I really don't care about that anymore, was the fact that if I'm getting wholesaler X 
to label the products for me because some of them would. I was I used to think like why wouldn't they just sell it themselves on the Amazon platform, right? Do you do you worry about that? No, I mean it's for us like we look at it like it's a very symbiotic relationship, right? Like the vast majority of brands that we deal with don't want to be a retailer. That wasn't their goal. They're not trying to like learn the, you know the different channels for retail. Like instead they're trying to get their product into more channels. They're trying to concentrate on global advertising and things like that. So what we you know the service that we provide is like, you know, you said you're a private label seller. You, there's something that you inherently understand about Amazon. You understand how to drive traffic, right? How to make a product sell, how to optimize a listing and, and things like that. For the brands that we work with, that's what they need. Like Amazon's like a giant billboard for these brands, right? The, the you know, more people are going to see it on Amazon.com than any store that they could possibly be in. And it's not close. Like there's just so much more visibility there. So the brands that we work with want to have optimized listings. Like they want to have their products looking like the best possible advertisement that it could be, right? Because it's ultimately competing with every single product in its niche. So that's, you know, effectively, that's the, that's what we do for them is we are, we're, we're a retailer that specializes in the Amazon channel that can help optimize the product for sales in that, within that channel. Very good. So you optimize certain listings. Uh, let's say, I don't know, for a head and shoulders, if you had a head and shoulders account and they only have one image and they're only using two bullet points, you would go and you would optimize that listing, even though it would also optimize it for your competitors. You would do that. For sure. Absolutely. Like that's that's one of the things that in wholesale, whenever we're working on a listing, right, our, our obligation is to the brand that we're working with. Like if it helps other sellers, fantastic. Hopefully they can do other things to contribute as well. But even if they don't, like the brands, we, we communicate what we're doing with that brand, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting there telling them like, hey, we're going to be, incre- you know, we're going to be adding these pictures. We're going to be, you know, updating the bullet points to make sure you guys have all five of them right there. So we're going to be going over all that stuff. So when they see all these things getting done, they're like, wow, you know, like our listing's been on there for three years and it's always been, you know, relative trash. Yeah. Now, it, now it's looking good. We're starting to see more sales. Like what, what happens there? They want to start working with me more. And ultimately what we're able to do is over the course of time, we either get typically better pricing or we start gaining levels of exclusive. Like, you know, we'll have an exclusive on certain products or, or sometimes exclusives with their entire line where we're just the only seller selling their products. Very good. I meant to ask you about that because uh, at one point, one of the Canadian brands I deal with gave me the exclusivity for, for the .ca alone, right? So I was not allowed to sell on the .com. Somebody else was, and including the manufacturer himself. The .ca was just me. And that allowed me to do, for example, lightning deals because I was the only one there. So I could do the lightning deals. So do you get those kind of benefits? And for example, if you do lightning deals for a brand, do they offer you certain, let's say, okay, you're buying 100 units. We're giving you 20 for free for those lightning deals. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like anytime, anytime we do special services, like I'll be in advertising or something like that with a brand. We typically work out a deal where they either pay for the advertising, um, and, and that can be you know advertising in ter- form of product like with a lightning deal or in just typical PPC or mm-hmm. Amazon sponsored ads. Like you know, typically they'll pay for that or we'll reimburse us with product or something like that. So yeah, it's really common. 
Very good. Because I did see a few of these brands that are not selling their own product, right? They're not the retailer. And they had Amazon sponsor ads on, on other listings. And I was wondering, like, well, some seller out there is paying for this. So basically, you would be one of those. You would pay for the ads and you get reimbursed by the brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a typical relationship. Or sometimes, you know, there's there's times where we would just run ads without any plan of reimbursing, just so we can have case studies and things like that to see what's working. Amazing. So how many days of supply would you send to the FBA warehouse? Uh, typically, we target 30 days, like our average throughout the year, like, you know, typically one quarters one through three, our, day, our days to term stays around 42 days, like the 40 to 42 days is where, where we're in typically. But usually, our, our, you know, that's a combination of, you know, a lot of the times we target 30 days to term. In, in, in terms of inventory depth, but sometimes like if we get bigger deals or special deals or discounts or something, we may take it a little deeper. And that's why we tend to land in the 40 to 42 day range. Cool. Now, one of the important things, one of the big things that, and it's actually one of my pet peeves when it comes to Amazon sellers on mostly private label because wholesale, it should be a bit easier to do the math. I'm not sure, but I see a lot of people that think they're making huge profits and they're not then, right? They, sure. In reality, after picking pack fees and all that, the profit is either not as big as they thought it was or it's actually negative. For sure. Does that happen in wholesale? How can you find profitable products? No, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we, we had that trouble a lot early too. Whenever we were we were dealing with a, a lot of vendors who opened accounts really easily and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that we do is we love to work with vendors who when we reach out to them and say, Hey, would you would you know, we'd be interested in carrying your product on Amazon or whatever, that they just tell us no that they're not interested. Like that's great for us. Mm-hmm. Because it shows that they really care about their brand and then we're able to go back to them and then show some of the really positive things that we've been able to accomplish with other brands. And uh, show how we're how we're going to be able to benefit the massively as a seller, and sometimes they'll go ahead and approve us, right? Yeah. But those brands are the ones that tend to stay good for a really long period of time and don't have that same level of price volatility. But realistically, like if you're just getting on products that you know, I'm sure it's true for private label. Like if you're just if you're not doing anything to add value to your product in private label, like you're just another commodity. And I mean, you're it is a race to the bottom. And the same is true for the other products, like. On Amazon, it, you know, with wholesale products, if you're just out there sourcing products from distributors and, you know, you're not building real relationships with the brands that you work with, like it, it is really just kind of commodity style relationships where it is a race to the bottom. So the advice I would give to people if, if you know, if you're wanting to do wholesale particularly is make sure that you're, you're building your business around relationships that kind of protect you and insulate you from that, that volatility. Likewise, I'm sure, you know, with private label, like add value, find ways to add value to your or find ways to do things like that to make sure that you're not a commodity product. Absolutely. And those relationships, that's a great point. I really like that. To build relationships with these brands, sometimes a medium-sized brand could be a $100 million a year, $200 million a year company. It's not that uh, really accessible for the person that's just starting and they bought, uh, you know, $100 worth of uh I don't know, the, the head and shoulder shampoo, right? How do you build these relationships? Well, like, it's just about providing the value that you can, right? For us, it's if, if I'm, if I'm coming onto a product 
And, uh, you know, I see deficiencies in their listing. Like they don't have, you know, the, the things you mentioned earlier, they don't have enough pictures, their bullets aren't, aren't optimized or something like that. Like that's just, le- that's just actual value I can provide to them. Yeah. Because, you know, it, their product, if, if those things aren't being done right, the product isn't selling as well as it possibly could. And it's also not an, ad, it's also not the advertisement that they want, right? Like brands want people to see their products on Amazon and they want to see them featured well because you can see every brand on Amazon. So it's just more important that, that brands are optimized and featured well. So that's, it's, it's any type of that kind of value or, Helping them understand the Amazon supply chain, how Amazon actually works as a company, why having too many sellers can be a bad thing, how, you know, sometimes we'll talk to them about the sponsored advertising or additional ways to drive traffic to their product. Like Mm -hmm. how you can be anything that you're able to do to help their brand succeed in its mission on uh, within that marketplace. Awesome. When it comes to wholesaling, my, like I said, my experiences are limited to the few Canadian brands I dealt with. But one of the situations that I found was this brand that was hugely loved in Canada and the U.S., right? They're a North American uh, manufacturer. The thing was, their single products were too cheap to be sold as a single unit on Amazon due to the pick-and-pack fees that would take of 50% almost of their cost. And what I did was, I mean, I love to be the distributor of that brand or the wholesale of that brand. And I decided, well, maybe I can get two or three of their products bundled together. And I did that. I created a UPC myself. Now, is this allowed? Well, I mean, I think I think you would want to, as long as, it, as, long as you're able to go through and get the GS1 barcode, Registered the brand, like absolutely, you could you could do something like that, and that's actually a great solution. I mean, whenever you're, you know, some of those you're right, some of those pick and pack fees make it really difficult. Like I think Amazon's made it a little easier with like small and light in some cases as a program. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it, you know sometimes you, if you're still in the sub five dollar range on a product or something like with small, even with small and light, you're not going to be able to make it work. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a fantastic solution to, to be able to. That you know, not only get help a product that wasn't able to be selling on Amazon start selling on Amazon, but uh, help yourself be you know make more money and be efficient with uh, with multi packs and and bundles for sure. Yeah, you know what's fantastic about that product is the only one, and I have I have at this point I believe like fifty three of my own private label products within different brands and a ton of SKUs attached to those. But you know how hard it is in Maybe wholesale is a bit different, but we private labelers, we live out of reviews. We want reviews more and more, right? And that brand, it's not mine, it's my wholesale brand. They come in organically and people go out of their way to review it. And it's at 4.8 stars. And, you know, it's a higher percentage of people that review that product than the ones that I actually go out of my way and ask for it. Can you please give me the review? So it's um, that's I guess the power of a, a bigger, bigger brand, right? That when you're wholesaling, that people well, actually know, right? Like it's the thing is there, you know, that that brand has a customer base, like it has an existing customer base, and people who are actively buy, you know, want those want that specific product. So that's that's one of the powers of kind of wholesaling, in that you know we 
we're, whenever we go to market with a product, like we don't have to invest in launches. We don't have to invest in PPC and things like that mm-hmm. quite as much as the private label space, because in the private label space, you have to build that, you have to build that demand and, and that awareness for your product and that, that initial burst of, of traffic and stuff. It, it has costs associated to it typically with, with, you know, within private label. And, and you know, that's, that's one of the things you don't see as often with wholesale. How do you target what brands to go after or what products to go after? We utilize a, a, some simple criteria. Like the first thing that we want is we don't want to carry products that Amazon specifically carries. Mm-hmm. And the reasoning behind that is Amazon, it's not that you can't compete with Amazon. It's that they, they just make it hard to compete, right? They don't share the buy box the same way. They're very aggressive with price and things like that. It's just there's so much there, there's so much other opportunity out there that it's just pointless for us to try to compete with them. So we we also don't we want products that aren't private label products. So we look for products that have three sellers or more. And you know the 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 reason that we do that is typically private label products were created with the goal of being sold on Amazon, like the person building them. You know, that, that was what they were always going to do, right? Yeah. And, you know, our interests don't necessarily align there. So it's easier for us to work with brands that are looking for sellers or aren't trying to, to manage their own listings and things like that. So that, that's another one. And then, um, you know, the next criteria that we're looking for is the product is selling more than 40 times per month. And the reason that we like 40, you know, 40 times per month is it shows typically if a product's in that range, it shows that it has a good level of sustained demand. Now we'll we'll use a tool like Keepa or Camel 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 to go back and look and make sure that that demand is, is has been pretty consistent and not volatile. But that's the type of product that we're looking for is not carried by Amazon, not private label, and already selling and has an established sales history. That's a great point you touched there about the Amazon not being a seller. That's one of the big differences in the private label and the wholesale. Is I would as a private labeler, I would go after brands that Amazon is selling because on their own listings, they do such a poor job of optimizing it. Uh, there's Amazon listings there. Amazon is the seller that they use three bullet points and uh, limited pictures. The pictures are not even good. And as amazing as it may seem, some have the main image that are not according to terms of service. Right. Isn't that funny when you say Amazon selling the list things that, that are against TOS? Yeah, I know, right? So, but it is easy uh, when it comes to private label, it is easy to compete against them. And I find that when it comes to that, it is actually kind of fair game. Uh, For sure. So, yeah, and in the wholesale, I can see that uh, they do not give away the big, the buy box, right? right. It's the only thing. It's, it's, I agree with you. You know, they're not a great seller at all, but. The, you know, with, with a buy box rotation, they just don't, they don't play by the same rules. So it, it makes it tough for, to compete on the same listing with them. Yeah, exactly. As long as, as long as you're private labeling the product and you're getting away from that listing, I mean, absolutely. They're st- then they're just another bad seller. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a screenshot once and I, I'm not, I'm not sure how real that really is, but it was a wholesaler or retail seller and he shared a screenshot that. Amazon had ran out of stock on an item, but they hadn't given the buy box away, right? So basically, they didn't have the buy box, but Amazon was out of stock. Do you ever see that? Is that really possible? 
Yep. Uh, sometimes they'll do it if they're coming back into stock and they have a, they have a confirmed ship date. Like they can definitely continue to keep the buy box even not having stock. Wow. So Dan, would you share with us your winning product analysis formula? Oh, for sure. I mean, it was it is that thing that we discussed earlier, right? Is we look for products that meet those criteria. They not sold by Amazon, not private label, selling numerous times per month. Then what we want to look for is we want to look for product. Like once we figure out, find products that fit those criteria, the next thing we want to know is we want to know what our percentage of sales is, right? Like, cause that's where it really matters. And particularly in wholesale, where you're going to be sharing that buy box. So the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to look at how many, how many times that product is selling. And you can use a free tool like, jungle forward slash estimator, right? And that'll tell you, you know, you look at a sales rank and it'll say, you know, 4,000 in health and personal care. Like you can go over to Jungle Scout, their estimator software or whatever, and you can check it out there. And they'll tell you that 4,000 may mean that that product's selling 300 times per month. Once we understand that the product's selling 300 times per month, we can look and see how many sellers are selling that product, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, we want to be able to sell a product like with our own account, Ideally, we want to be able to sell it more than 40 times per month. So if that product's selling 300 times per month, it's uh, being sold by six sellers, right? That means that tip, you know each product, each one of those sellers are getting about 50 sales per month. If we come onto that listing, we'll probably be around that, that same number. So up in the 40 range or 40, I guess it'd be like 38 range. Which would get us right about where we want to be. So, I mean, that's it's you know that's what we're looking for. Is we're looking for products that qualify, that meet our criteria. Then we're looking for what our equity of sales is going to be, so we can understand. I, I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? We once we have that account established, I place an order with the manufacturer. They ship us the or they ship the product into Amazon, and then we're already getting those sales. Like it's it's just immediately we're not having to run ads, we're not having to do anything to just get that level of sales. And then from there, every single thing we do, like if we, you know, we make those bullet points better, if we improve the or we add pictures or any of those types of things, like that just makes that product just sell more. So, you know, from those that 40 times that we were going to sell it originally, once we do some of those optimizations, we may be selling that product 50 or 60 times for us, then we're going to try to work with the manufacturer and either get a better price or start to establish some level of exclusivity with the products. You know, Dan, I'm hearing you speaking. I'm here thinking, why the heck do I deal with getting sea cans coming from China? And I ran out of stock. And then, oh, it's Chinese New Year, so you're going to be out of stock for another month. Meanwhile, all my cash flow is literally floating in the ocean for two months, right? The, The time since I placed the order and pay up front, right? It's 30, 70. You know how that works. And then another, basically, from the port in China to the warehouse is going to take another month at least. So I'm thinking, why am I not jumping more into wholesale? Because you have virtually an unlimited supply, and you do not have to invest two months ahead of time, right? You're doing it basically the 30-day thing. Well, it's it's a different type of 30 days, too, because it's like, you know, our 30 days is... You know, that's, that's with lead times of five to seven days. Oh, so wow. it's like, or, you know, we're not, uh, our money's not floating for long periods of time. Wholesale is a, is a great partner to the private label businesses. And it's because a lot of the research is the same. 
but more importantly, it's a it's a very cash flow oriented business, mm-hmm. which gives you kind of an extra boost with private label where you need the you need cash flow throughout your throughout that order process, right? Like that's like you said, I mean you're sinking all your money into one shot as opposed to building cash flow throughout the process. Yeah. But you know, it's it's I think wholesale is probably one of the better types of types of business model that goes along with private label. Yeah, it got me thinking. I would defend, uh, you know, a lot of people, there's the debate, okay, is RA or the retail arbitrage better? Is private label better? And I would defend private label always because I would think, you know, if I'm building the brand and I have more control over it, but I can see all the positives now of wholesale and it's actually very tempting. So it seems very easy, very easy to get into and manage. Is there any hidden things that are not so easy that I don't see right now? Well, I mean, for sure, like the, the hardest part in wholesale is the front end investment. And, and that's really just setting up relationships with accounts. Like, because like I mentioned earlier, the best ones, the ones that are going to make you the most money and, and be consistent for long periods of time are going to tell you no. Like you have to be, you have to be really good at being told no and then being being able to go back to them and, and, and start talking about how you can provide value and things like that. If you can do that, like wholesale is a great model. And I, you know, I think it, I think it does play well with other models because it's, it is so cash flow oriented and process oriented. So you, you want to get a few no's. That's basically oh, a good thing. Yeah. I mean, getting a no is great. Like, you know, particularly on a product where you really like it and you think it has a lot of upside, like them telling you no is good because that means, you know, they're not just telling you no, they're telling everybody no. Hmm. And then that creates the opportunity, right? Like whenever everybody's being told no, there's the opportunity. And for us, we are able to convert those accounts about five to 7% of the time where they tell us no. And then, you know, we, we start working with them trying to provide value. But whenever we do convert an account, uh, that five to seven percent paydays on those accounts are so big uh, and they stay good for so long that it's just worth it. That's the downside in wholesale is, is it does take more work on the front end. You do have to uh, hear no quite a, quite a bit, but but whenever you do get there and you, you do establish those relationships, it really does pay dividends for a long time. And how do you start the process, Dan? For example, I know the easiest way to get a, a yes would be walk in the business and have a meeting with somebody that a uh, decision maker. Then probably phone will be the second, and the easiest way would be a call outreach with an email. Is that what you do? Yeah, we actually start with an email first because I, here, here's the thing: the email tells me multiple things, right? If they say yes, that's a warning sign. That's a warning sign that this product may not be good very long, or it's something we need to at least talk to them about. I was like, hey, you're just letting anybody sell your product. That's not a good thing. So it's like, it gives us a lot of information. And then it's just more convenient, right? Like it's faster. So whenever they say no, one of the things that we love to do is we love to ask why. And that's kind of where we're able to start initiating that conversation. And then we love to, if we can, put, get them on the phone. And, and you're right. Like, you know, on the phone, the more direct contact you get, like if it's on the phone, converts significantly better than, than email, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing in person. So that's, that's what we do is we try to start with the email and escalate up as far as we can. Nice. And your email signature, do you have a link to a website? Because Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that I, I think all companies should do. And it's, it's not just, even if you're not, we don't sell anything on our website. All we do is talk about our brand, who we are, some of the value that we can add uh, on Amazon and, you know, 
just basically what we're good at and what makes us do or why we do the things we do, right? And I, I just feel like that's such a such an easy and cheap thing to do is everybody should have a website that talks about, you know, their company and, and, and things like that. But yeah, we, we absolutely do. We try to drive them to our website so they can learn more about us. Awesome. So how about somebody that is not in the U.S.? We know Amazon.com is the biggest market. And how about somebody, let's say in Canada, somebody in Spain, I guess maybe in Spain they have Amazon Europe, but do you sell internationally as well? We don't. It was actually funny. We were going to sell in the UK and is literally the day we were going to send our first shipment, Brexit happened. Uh, then we like just didn't do it and have just kind of never got started back. I mean, Amazon.com is so big that it just provides such a massive opportunity for us. And eventually, you know, whenever it's we're we're not seeing the returns we want, or or we're wanting to grow or continue to grow more, we may push outside again and think about it. But right now, it's it's just it provides so much opportunity for us. But as far as you know, for other other marketplaces, like there may be less traffic on the other marketplaces, but there's also less competition, which is great. So those there's huge opportunity there. But more importantly, it's like it's really easy for international folks to sell into the U.S. too. Yeah, like it's pretty easy to, to you know set up a U.S. based business and things like that to be able to buy and sell products there. So it's like I kind of envy the position for a lot of the international folks because they have, as particularly people with a, with a marketplace like you know like yourself, like you you know international where you have a Canadian, you're able to operate in the Canadian marketplace pretty easily as well, and you understand those tax tax regulations and and all that stuff. That's just a lot of value you can provide to manufacturers. Like you can work with a manufacturer, optimize them within the U.S., optimize them within Canada. Far, you know, it, it's just very, very easy for you. So it's international folks definitely work work very similarly, and it, it can work for them. It's just it, it is slightly different. Yeah, yeah. I just find that, for example, if it was a locally sourced or bought product to sell in the dot com market, the shipping fees would just from here to to the U.S. because Amazon wouldn't do that with their own shipping. It would just take so much of the profit margins from those shipping. That- yeah, you really got to have a good plan for the logistics side. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we did a couple of years ago, and you know, not internationally, but even even internally within the U.S. is we really focused a couple of years ago on working with FedEx to get our rates drew really low. And what it does, it gives us the flexibility to move, you know, lots of pallets of products really cheap within the U.S. now. So that gives us somewhat of a competitive edge versus a lot of people, I think. So it's the same thing. I mean, if you know, as you want to grow, like if you were wanting to grow that international side of your business, I mean, it's it's possible. You just have to hammer down on the logistics and, and kind of find the best options you can to ship. Yeah, and for an international seller to be able to wholesale in in the U.S. There are certain laws that you would have to comply with, right? Would you need to uh, have a, a wholesale certificate I mean, it, or something like that? It's one of those things where, like, realistically, you could operate without some of those things. Like, you could have a business based in your own company or own country, rather. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we've we've started to realize is it's it really is just so much easier for international folks to set up a U.S. based business and then operate, you know, operate the business remotely. That it's you know that that process is just easy enough that that's probably the generally the best route. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. How about the the wholesale formula? Do you know how many people you you've trained so far? 
Yeah, we've uh, well, actually, I don't. I, it's it's kind of funny. I don't know exactly. I know that it's around thirty five hundred that we active students in our course. Wow. Any you uh, cases of like a huge success that you that you follow? Yeah, that's one. Of, you know, that's that's the kind of the thing that drives us these days is is the course. Like, you know, that's what's where I tend to spend more of my time, and it's you know being able to answer people's questions, being able to offer advice, and things like that about about their business. And over the you know over the past few years, we've just seen honestly just an incredible amount of success stories and people being able to to really change their lives by by starting a business. It's, it's kind of like the, you know, it's the same opportunity that I've had, same opportunity that you, you, you've taken advantage of is Amazon just provides such a massive marketplace and, and, and opportunity for people to get into and, and make money. It doesn't even really matter how, right? Like, I mean, there's so many ways to make money. We talked about it earlier, like retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, wholesale, private label, merch. Like, you can just do it. I, I just wish more people would get involved with it. It, just seeing those success stories is incredible, man. Yeah, you must get a ton of them. You know, maybe two years ago, I first heard of the wholesale formula through uh, Kevin Reiser. Oh, awesome! He used to have a podcast, private. I think it's private label podcast. Private label podcast. That's what it was. And he's not on it anymore. He he must have sold the podcast or something. But that's when I first heard it. And I know it's not open all year round, right? You you close the doors at certain times. Yeah, we uh, we actually did our big launch this year. I think we just wrapped it up like a month ago. That's our only scheduled launch, our public offering this year. But the vast majority of time, I mean, that's that's one of the things we really do with our course is, you know, rather than just leave it open all the time, like we we don't like doing that. We we like focusing on the success of the students. Once we take an enrollment period and have those people coming through the course. We really do kind of double down and, and and try to help them as much as we can so that they can realize success. And uh, that's the stra biggest strategy for us over the past few years is is making sure that those launches are, you know, that that was our enrollment period. But yeah, this year we were just planning. We have one. That, that was our one plan this year. So you're saying that if somebody buys the training, they don't just get a bunch of videos that they sit in front of the computer and watch some videos. You actually get involved, you and Eric, in it? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, we do li a lot of live webinars. We have the TWF alumni group, and that's, you know, everybody who's ever taken the wholesale formula is in that group. So that group is like incredibly, it's like crazy active. There's lots of questions, but more importantly, it's, it's not just a lot of like questions that you would see in like a, a more newbie community. Like there's a lot of people that just come on with ideas and, and things like that. It, it really, honestly, kind of helped shape our business and, and grow our business over the past few years as well. You know, it's that kind of thing. We're always just in there posting, talking to people, and just helping however we can, really. You know, you, Joe, would you follow Pat Flynn at all? Yeah. yeah. You know, Pat Flynn has a wall full of the thank you notes uh, and stuff that are actually being handwritten to him. Sure. Do you have anything similar? Just because I know what the great feeling it is when you, Somebody contacts you and doesn't matter if it's Instagram through Hotmail or whatever, and they send, send you a message thanking you for what you did that you didn't even know you did, right? That feeling is so amazing. Do you record those, save them somewhere? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, we, we have a ton of testimonials. We have a ton of video testimonials, written notes. 
People have sent us posters, all kinds of just super awesome stuff. It, it, it really is. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the thing that just really just makes you happy, right? It makes you feel like you just help somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. So where can people find the, the wholesale formula online? Anybody can check out our website, wholesaleformula.com slash QA. That's especially page made page for your guys. Mm-hmm. And then we have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the wholesale formula. And we post content pretty regularly there as well. And now when dealing with the whole big wholesale, or it doesn't matter if it, they're big, just uh, any kind of wholesaler, when they give you their price list, is that in anyhow negotiable? Do you even try? To negotiate. Oh God! Yeah. One of the things that we always tell people in our course is, you know, the first whenever you receive a price list, like it literally doesn't mean anything. Hmm. You know, that's just the starting point, and from that point, like we 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 try to negotiate literally every single time that we we work with anybody. Okay. And, and I think I think a lot of people kind of get scared of that, right? Like they kind of get scared of that. Oh, maybe they won't want to work with me, but it's just you know that's part of the business, and and, and the vendors they were working with understand it and they get it. So. Hmm. You just have to kind of get over that little fear and, and move forward. Very good. And when it comes to a big distributor of, I don't know, let's say you were dealing with hockey equipment and uh, Reebok themselves, they would not sell to you. So you would have to go to the distributor. Do, do these distributors normally have good enough margins for you to, to sell on Amazon? I think sometimes... Whenever you know, we we do work with a few distributors, but it's it's more hit and miss. And, but yeah, it's you know sometimes you can definitely find the pricing and and make it work. And other times it's just, it's not not necessarily there. But but one one of the things you don't tend to get with the with with through distribution that you do get by directly working with brands is a lot of the times you know distributors they carry lots of lines and you know they're just trying to move lots of units. Like whereas you, you you develop that relationship with the brand and you're really able to tie your success to them by you know t- talking to them about the optimization things you've done, uh, updating the list things, running ads and stuff like that. And it's distributors just tend to care a little less about it. That's the only reason we don't like to work with them as much. It's it's not that you can't make money. You definitely can. It's just you don't develop the same type of relationships. Yeah. This question I want to ask you is something that I personally do. So I want to ask you if you do the same thing, just to see if we're kind of <laughs> all us Amazon sellers are the same. Now, I don't do retail arbitrage, but I have the Amazon seller app, just like any other seller does. And when I go past a liquidation shelf, I still scan stuff. <laughs> do you do the same thing? Every single time. <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to do retail arbitrage, but I mean, I haven't even done it in years, like probably three years at this point. And every single time I walk by and I see something cool on clearance, I will scan it 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah, same with me. And then I check. There's a couple of things that I check to see if it is um, brand gated, basically, if it would be allowed to sell it or not. Even if I don't plan on buying that, I'm going to check those things and how much profit is in it. And then I actually did it a few times. Like, I don't know, you, you see some items like, okay, there's enough margins to buy it. And I end up buying it and then just keeping them at, at home for, <laughs> for myself. All right. Dan, I noticed something about your, I guess your company or something. I, the organization, the fact that before the meeting, me and you both got an email and there was a page 
pre-setup, like this kind of organization was really fascinates me because I, I love when things are super organized. And you guys have pre-set up a page, the wholesale formula forward slash QA. Do you have somebody that just, uh, it's that's their whole job? How do you work with these things? We have a, like we have our, our team. I mean, we do have a pretty awesome team, to be honest. Like we have our, like our audio visual team, a content team. And, and that's, that's two different people. And they do, a, they, you know, they do a great job on, Getting stuff like that up, just making sure that we have a you know page set up for podcasts that we're on or or, or whatever, and, and it's a lot of that's just we like to be able to provide content like you know to to your audience, for example, that it's geared more towards more towards them from from based on what we what, what you know the talks we've had. Mm-hmm. Very good. Now that that kind of stuff because for many years when i started when i started my online selling career although it wasn't full time back then in 1997 i did so many unorganized things that throughout the years i realized that every time i i did something that i was not very organized with i could lose money or not make as much as i was i could and so when I see organizations like this, I'm really fascinated how I can improve mine even more now, right? So uh, for us, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of that is just having um, just, just just having a good team and, and operating procedures in place. Like, I mean, that's been the biggest change in our business, honestly, in the past three or four years has just been putting processes in our business for everything. And that way, whenever... Something comes up, people know exactly what to be doing and, and you don't have to, you don't have to, re, you're not reacting to tasks quite as often as, as you are being proactive and just getting things done. Nice. So how comfortable now that you have operating procedures, how comfortable would you be taking off 30 days from work? You and Eric would just go on vacation. It would run completely as if you were there. I mean, I, I would be a hundred percent comfortable and, and convinced our, our team. I actually at home today, uh, not at the office. And it's, it's, you know, our team, our teams are incredible. And, you know, I've, I've had a couple little chats with them today, but past that, they just knock stuff out and are butt kickers. I mean, they're just better. You know, they're honestly, they're, they're better at some of the tasks than we are at this point. Yeah. You know, I can, I can see that because uh, I do have, I do have one team member that, uh, just surprises me how much she knows and like man yeah you're better than me at that so there you go uh, that's that's your job that's perfect all right then let everybody know where they can find you where they can find the wholesale formula and what else you're involved with yeah absolutely De- definitely check us out at the wholesaleformula.com slash qa or on facebook at facebook.com slash the wholesale formula perfect and the wholesaleformula.com forward slash QA, like Dan has very graciously offered a wholesale 101 ebook. Is that what it is, Dan? Yep. It's a, just a guide about, you know, that walks you through kind of how to get started with wholesale and, and how to do some of the things that we, you know, that we do in our business. Perfect. And you know what? You got me almost sold. So I'm going to download my, my copy myself and I'm going to check it out because it really fascinates me how how easy you, you make it sound. So I want I want to do more of it. It's not, you know, it's not easy. It's 
it's not easy, but it's it's doable. And exactly. once you get it figured out, like once you get the wheels in motion, it's it's a systems-based process. So you're just able to replicate it without adding more of your time. And that's the real beauty of it is I love anything based around systems and processes. You know what? I just thought of something. Do you know how many SKUs you have at this point on Amazon? Generally, we have between, at any given time, we'll have between 250 and 300 active, 350. And do you know how many emails your account is getting per day? Oh, as far as like how many how many vendors that we reach out to? No, no, no. From the final consumer to you with oh. questions and support. Yeah, no idea. I haven't answered one of those in years. Like we have virtual assistants who answer all of our customer service questions on Amazon. Gotcha. Cool. All right, Dan. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. And I hope the audience really uh, maybe have the, uh, listened to this a couple times. And check out Dan's uh, Wholesale 101 at the wholesaleformula.com forward slash QA. Thank you very much, Dan. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me on.